It's time for the Power Hour of Love, starring Charboil and El Bandito. Welcome to the Fiesta. Hey everybody, welcome to the Power Hour of Love starring Charbol and El Bandito. Hey El Bandito, how are you doing this week? Ooh, I'm doing great, senor. I had a super exciting weekend. Got to check out a lot of awesome stuff on TV, and I mean, our hearts go out to all the people in trouble out there getting hammered by Hurricane Harvey here in Florida. Oh, yeah. We definitely know what it's like to, you know, get a surprise storm out of nowhere, just hammer the shit out of you. So, you know, hopefully those people are on the road to recovery by now, Uh, but there was so many exciting television productions and projects going on that it was hard to focus on any of it. It it is, it is. I'm sure those individuals in Texas and stuff, I know Houston got some really, really heavy hits with that, but like you said, being here in Florida, we definitely know that feeling, you know, and and, and I know for us, we were just like, all right, yeah, we'll check in on those guys later. We got to go watch this uh, fight where these guys are going to make more money than we'll probably ever see in our whole lifetime. (laughs) Absolutely, man. I think one of my favorite tweets over the weekend was somebody put out that picture of Floyd Mayweather when he looks at the camera and puts on a big smile right in the middle of the third round break there. And they posted a comment on it that said, when that deposit for 300 million clears. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that was funny. I was watching the bout, you know, yeah. as it was taking place. And I saw him do that, like, yeah. in, in, like live. And I was like, Dude, man, that guy's got to be just sitting there. And I said, he oh, probably even sweating. He probably had that 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 smile plastered to his face like the rest of the weekend. You know, like you said, absolutely. He, dude, he made something like three hundred and ten million dollars. Yeah. off of that fight, and uh, McGregor walked away with about a hundred million. So yeah. I mean, these guys both like for a hundred million dollars, uh, I'd I'd let that guy beat the shit out of me. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, one thing you know, watching. I mean, you know, McGregor definitely stuck it out. I mean, going yeah. ten rounds with an un defeated boxing champion i mean it's like you know i know he's retired now but it's still it's like that guy like you know i mean he he still you know went, went the distance definitely sense, he's yeah. he's a legend in the industry man he's yeah. he's really awesome and you know undefeated 49 bouts and now here number 50 so now he's undefeated 50 freaking bouts and uh you know Record mcgregor set. was was such a, a favorite you know among like kind of he almost had like an underground cultist sort of following like the ufc people really thought this guy was going to pull off some miracle without really taking into account for one the vegas odds like we mentioned last week like those guys do what they do for a reason and they oh, were definitely yeah. favoring mayweather but by the same token like they still had to wear gloves i mean yeah sure. i think there were only eight ounces or something like that yeah, you know yeah, yeah. But hitting someone with gloves and knocking someone out bare knuckled is two very different things. Oh, absolutely. And I know they wear like shitty little gloves in UFC, <laughs> but you know, it, there's just a real difference in how you knock somebody out. And personally, I didn't get to watch the fight. I only watched a clip of it. So I saw like a shitty clip of like the TKO. Yeah. And I think it was a pretty weak ass TKO. I think they should have just let him go the 10. I mean, what would they have? A minute and a half left. McGregor probably could have stayed on his feet. Well, I'll be honest. Watching it, I, I've, I, in my view of it, I, I was pretty sure like a couple more hits that dude was going to go down. I mean, some yeah. of the, some of the hits that he was just taking directly to his face, which mm-hmm. once again, 
he's in a boxing ring. So yeah, yeah he. I mean, I don't watch that much UFC, and I know they block their face, you know, and when somebody's like trying to nail him. But man, some of the hits that you know. Mayweather got in there. I mean, he yeah. just rocked the guy's well, clock, it, you know. But I mean, he went. His arms went down for more than like two seconds. Sure. And, so I think at that point, the referee was just like, "Dude, this guy's getting knocked around." Like, at least from my viewpoint, I feel that if they would have kept, it would have been a, a few more seconds, and that dude would have hit Matt. Which, but the thing is, is like those guys at that weight class. I know we talked about this. Yeah. They're not going to be no George Foreman knockouts or Mike right. Tyson knockouts. I mean, yeah, just, and, and yeah. UFC they do even sure. for the lower weight classes. But again, that's bare knuckle. They're using their feet yeah, or whatever. They're so doing a fucking choke you're like yeah those people are gonna get knocked out you know but yeah with those gloves on it's gonna be super hard to knock each other out you know but again mayweather was winning on points anyways oh yeah so even if he even if he lasted he was probably gonna take it home but hey you know what at the end i really liked what they had to say to each other you know (laughs) thanks for all the money kid pretty much that's what it (laughs) translated to but you know it's you know either way like that made you know, uh, Mayweather, uh, a record setter. I mean, now he has the the, yeah. the most uh, undefeated streak, being uh, Rocky Marciano from back in like I think that record was set in like 1956 or something. So yeah. it's not unbeatable. I mean, I know there even is <laughs> some guys out there like 34 and stuff. So I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure they're going to be gunning for. It. But hey, I enjoyed it. I thought it was cool. It was cool to see that boxing is still alive, not as much as it used to be. But it was cool to see like that old. Yeah, so that was the big kind of news, the big event on Saturday night, you know. And then, of course, Sunday night rolls around, and they had the Game of Thrones season finale. And I know for all you beautiful people out there, you've probably been following our Draft of Thrones. And this week, we're moving it to our third segment, and we're going to dedicate an entire segment to the Draft of Thrones. So make sure to stick around for a little while if you're all caught up on the show, and we'll go through the draft and who the winner is and everything like that coming up very soon. But there was some other exciting things that happened throughout the week and a couple of awesome things we checked out and it wasn't all just a bunch of fighting and dragons and stuff man <laughs> i actually got to check out something that was pretty lighthearted. uh you know they recently rebooted ducktales yeah i've seen that that looks pretty awesome i really like the animation style they've got yeah it's really reminiscent to like the old school like comic books mm-hmm. like even scrooge mcduck's wearing like his red coat opposed to like the blue coat that he wore in like the 1980s show yeah yeah it's just like the old comics like inception yeah yeah (laughs) exactly well also even in the old nes game you know scrooge was wearing the red jacket Mm -hmm. i remember people always been why is he wearing a red jacket supposed to be blue you know but no that's because the old comics were that way and the old comics had donald like going around with them it actually wasn't the you know the um the nephews nephews you know and uh but in this show they they're totally bringing donald along with the nephews so it's kind of like a new thing but it was really cool to see like some uh makeovers on some of the characters Mm -hmm. like uh you know the 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 nanny who like watches them she's in there but she's a little she's not just so you know she's like hot no, no, no. Super hot. But she's she's got a little more character, you know. Sure. She's not just like, oh my goodness, yeah. you know, like just, you know, she's like. What she's, about Webigail? Is she still in there? Yeah, Webby's in there, and they've actually made her not so, like, young and. and she like and, super hot? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but they definitely made her a lot more intelligent. Like, you know, okay. she's definitely teaching the the, uh, the nephews some stuff. Yeah. But what's really cool is they've really, like, individualized the nephews, so they kind of have their own personality okay not, that's not, cool i mean they did that in the old show yeah, too yeah. but like now they're like identifiable like yeah. they have different they didn't overdo it like the new ninja turtles right no, where they just look like no. fucking retards no i don't okay. i wouldn't say that they still retain their old school look but just the way they act the way they talk you can tell they're gonna have like 
different attitudes on, cool. on different things. So that, Very that was, cool. But one thing that really excited me was there was a lot of like throwbacks to the old show. Like in <laughs> one scene, you saw like the genie's lamp from the DuckTales movie. Yeah, okay. And then they, they a mentioned- A lot of homage stuff. Yeah, yeah. And there, there, was, a, uh, there was calls to, what was it, St. Canard? Yeah, isn't that, isn't old that? Darkwing's old yeah. stomping ground. Yep, and they, they talked about, I forgot what the name and, and Tailspin was, but they were saying, oh, we should go visit there sometime. So they're kind of putting out little things that we might see I mean, maybe a resurgence of the uh, Disney afternoon. Man. Oh, I'd love that, man. Those were some great classic cartoons. We get, we had the opportunity to grow up with, man. And I think with some of the weird shit-ass cartoons out nowadays, <laughs> and I'm like, man, having some real family-friendly kind of sensible shows like that I think would be awesome. You know, it's something oh, I would yeah. love to show. If I had kids someday, I'd love to show them that, you know? And there's definitely stuff in there. Like, there's that little bit of an adult humor that, that's kind yeah. of sprinkled in there for adults that are watching it with their kids. I mean, you know me, I'm just like, kind of like I just want to watch it because I used to watch Watch DuckTales. You know, it was like a nostalgia thing where I was just like, man, I want to see what this is all about. And I yeah. was very happy with it. And what I do want to mention is that Scrooge McDuck is voiced by David Tennant from Doctor Who and Jessica nice. Jones. Yeah. So he does a great job. Oh, he's man. phenomenal, man. He's great in everything. Dude, definitely. Well, like I said, I definitely give uh DuckTales the thumbs up to the listeners. If you watched it when you were a kid, definitely check it out. You're definitely gonna have some some nostalgia feels as you as you're as you're <laughs> watching it. Their first episode came out this month, um, as like a little premiere. And then at the end of September, they're going to, I think it's going to come on every Saturday. Very cool, man. Very cool. Well, I know I took the opportunity this week to check out the Defenders. Oh, yeah. I know uh, you're still in the middle of watching it. So I know like that was kind of my throwback for me. I remember reading those comics when I was a kid. I didn't read too many DuckTale comics. No, definitely. Definitely a lot of Daredevil and uh, Power Fist and or Power Man and Iron Fist. You know, know, Power that. Fist, that sounds like an article I read like <laughs> a few years after childhood. I know, that was a magazine I read later, but I managed to watch through the whole thing, and awesome. we're going to give you the opportunity and the listeners the opportunity to, to get caught up on that, and we'll do a big reveal and some big talk about that next week. Oh, so yeah. if you're interested in the Defenders and everything they got going on with Daredevil, Jessica Jones, uh, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist, make sure to tune in next week where we're going to do a whole segment on that. Oh, man, definitely, man. I mean, it, it's been a real exciting weekend, but I do have to say, you know, anytime we have, like, these really cool weeks and, 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 and weekends and stuff, man, there's always some bad news that has to work oh. its way in, man. But I just wanted to mention this. This definitely hits me close to home, man. Uh, you know, over the over the last weekend, man, they, they announced the, the death of director Toby Hooper. Are you familiar with him, El Bandito? No, no, not really. He was, uh, well, he was 74 years old, but he's also the director of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, wow. Poltergeist. Yeah. And uh, Life Force. That was, uh, you've probably seen it. I mean, it was really sci-fi heavy in the 80s, but pretty much this chick walks around naked for most of the movie. So it was definitely one of those like teenage films that you're like, oh shit, man, Life Force is on. (laughs) You know, and you'd watch it. As long as it wasn't on like, you know, USA or something where (laughs) the camera angle angles were just suddenly cut short where you couldn't actually see it. But then, of course, also the uh, Stephen King adaptation of uh, Salem's Lot. Like uh, Okay, Toby. so yeah, this guy was a powerhouse. I mean, some good stuff. Dude, definitely. I mean, I would say like Poltergeist is probably was his biggest hit film, mm-hmm. you know, as far as like Hollywood goes. But yeah, man, he got a, he cut his teeth pretty much doing uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre back in 1974. Yeah, so. and a lot of people consider that just a high cinema horror flick. Oh, so. dude, yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, for one, it was based around Ed Gein, like the you know serial killer serial sort of thing yeah, very cool yeah. man so definitely you know toby hooper man awesome 
Netflix. If you guys haven't checked them out, check them out. They still stand up. I mean, they're obviously from the 70s, so yeah. you're a little like, ah, but... I mean, there's a reason why they've been remade like two or three times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because really the original ones are iconic. You know how remakes are. They're never quite as good as the originals. So go check them out. Oh, yeah, man. And, you know, in honor of uh, Toby Hooper, you know, I have got I picked out a track here. It's a little heavier than some of the stuff we've been playing lately, but it's dedicated to, uh, you know, pretty much the star of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Here's Frightmare with Leatherface.
And that was Frightmare with Leatherface. Oh, man. Just wanted to mention that that's a cover of the old Laz Rockets song that was actually in Leatherface 3. You know, nice. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, <laughs> Leatherface. But uh, what'd you think of that one, El Bandito? Uh, that was some pretty hardcore stuff, man. I dig that. I like that. It's not something you can like, you know, jam to all the time, you know, <laughs> for me personally. But definitely if you're doing some work or you're driving in the car, um, as long as you're not pissed off, like don't yeah. be driving pissed off <laughs> listening to that. You're going to run somebody off the fucking road, but. Fight them tough. <laughs> you know, sorry, we don't mean to cut off the metal talk here, but it's time for our favorite segment, man. Oh, absolutely. You know, with all the exciting stuff going on in the world today, we know it's hard to keep up with all the very bestest and brightest stories. So we don't pay any attention to any of them. And we tell you only what's going on in the world of Podunk. Podunk News. <laughs> so yeah we give you the wildest weirdest stories that we can find every week and things that interest us and leading off the news this week we have a 67 year old man from maine he's been issued a summons by the police when a mother and her child caught him sunbathing on a nature trail ah i i have to imagine he's sunbathing with his nature trail exposed isn't he <laughs> yes yeah sunbathing definitely has the quotation marks around it and i guess he got he misunderstood the name of nature trail <laughs> i guess he thought he'd be able to be at one with nature but obviously not yeah i guess he was just, i i mean According to what I read, like the article said that he totally like went with the police, like he didn't try to run or anything. So this guy in his mind, you know, he's 67, yeah. you know, he's getting up there, you know, and he thought he was okay to be doing what he was doing. Yeah, no, no. See, see, here's the thing. If you told me this guy was 27, yeah. I would be like, honest mistake. He probably yeah. wanted an all over tan, didn't want to pay for a tanning bed, <laughs> tried to go out in the middle of nowhere and didn't realize it was a nature trail. But if this dude's 67... Um, he's a fucking pervert. <laughs> you know, like there's no reason for him to have tan balls. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he's just out there doing some sick shit. And you can just imagine they're probably hanging real low. Too, oh. you know? <laughs> Where are you thinking about that? So we've got a man from Philly, PA, who was arrested for biking during rush hour traffic on the interstate. <laughs> <laughs> same thing when i read about this one this guy he just he just wanted to do it he was just yeah. like yeah he had no no real like he didn't have any mental instabilities or are anything. you sure well <laughs> according to when they you know when they arrested him yeah like, he went with the police like he stopped but i guess like you know traffic was stopping because they didn't want to hit this guy sure but he's like weaving in and out you know trying to like get get around cars and you know we know just like down here the minimum speed limit's 40 miles an hour. You're never going to get a bicycle up to 40 miles an hour. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So it, it's just one of those things where people are like, what the hell is this guy doing? Oh, absolutely. Man, I don't even like motorcycle guys because oh, yeah. like sometimes they get a little crazy. But more exciting news out of Pennsylvania. We've got a couple up there who got a beautiful new photo of their lovely daughter's sonogram. Oh, okay. Which they've managed to plaster all over the internet and make a huge sensation out of. Because Jesus has showed up in their sonogram photo. <laughs> in the sonogram. So, you know, these are like those cats that shows up in their like little froth on their coffee or yeah, exactly. in their pancakes or whatever. Yeah, they're oh, like my. the radiator leaked against the wall over here in the, the, <laughs> the Virgin Mary. And you're just like, come on. <laughs> oh, man. So what's, what's the deal with these guys? Well, 
honestly, it says it's easing the concerns of the couple because they had other children who were born with birth defects. Oh, okay. So they're thinking this is like a good sign, which I'm oh, like, okay. hey, that's cool. But, you know, I saw a post just a couple weeks ago about a guy who put up a sonogram of his kid. And the first comment on his post was like, hey, that lasagna looks good. So oh, it's like man. it's a sonogram. People yeah. interpret it wrong. You know, it's hard. It was one of those 3D sonograms, oh, you know, that's in gosh. like that orange color. Yeah. And it did. It looked like lasagna. That's pretty funny, though. <laughs> but hey, man, if it's putting these people at peace of mind, you know. Hey, who are we to make fun of them? Uh, I guess two radio hosts uh, or whatever. <laughs> it's our voice you're listening to. <laughs> but hey, I know another voice that people really like to listen to, and that's the lead singer of Ghost. Hey, you guys thought we were done with metal news. We got some <laughs> more for you. Well, this is actually pretty exciting, Albandia. We've talked about Ghost. We've watched a couple of their videos before. You know, newer bands. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very cool stuff. Well, one of their big things with the band, which, you know, Slipknot tried to do this back in the day, too, is they wear those masks and stuff so that people don't know who they are. And actually, Ghost has done a pretty good job over the last, you know, two or three years, like with not revealing who the lead singer was like yeah yeah today's age is very difficult to keep a lid on oh, something like that you and know? they even said like oh we have a new lead singer this year and Ooh. and the guy would come and they, he would look kind of like the other guy but the mask would be so different that mm-hmm. maybe he'd look a little taller and stuff but the word is out that tobias forge who's a swedish uh, musician, yeah, he has been pretty much, you know, he came out and said, "I am the lead singer, Papa Emerus of Wow, Ghost. So, nice. Yeah, he had a big, uh, a big reveal through an interview at a magazine. I think it just it gets to the point where it's too much of a hassle, yeah, to try to hide it. And he's just kind of like, "Hey, I'm glad everybody digs it. I believe in a lot of the stuff that I sing about." So. I am who I am, even though I'm coming out and saying, hey, I'm playing that role. Very cool. Yeah, like you said, at some point it gets difficult for him to get into a theater, you know, (laughs) when he's trying to do a show or something like that, or he's got to walk outside because of some reason and... You know, he's I, a Grammy winner. Why yeah. would you not want to be like, yeah, I, Tobias Forge, won a Grammy. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, no, good for him. Well, ho- hopefully he has a lot of success and nobody fucking hassles him, you know? <laughs> well, I know some of his old bandmates are hassling him. Half the guys are, like, suing his ass. <laughs> thought that song sounded like what I wrote with Tobias back in the day. Dude, absolutely. But that was before he came out. But, of course, with all the court proceedings and stuff, sure. it was going to come out. So it's better that he... You know, let the cat out of the bag or the demon out of the The, <laughs> the ghost out <laughs> of the they, trap. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I looked in the trap, Ray. <laughs> well, hey, man, I've got a real good combo section here, man. We're not just talking about metal, but we're going to talk a little bit about wrestling. Too. Nice. Metal Injection, which is a pretty funny name for a, <laughs> a, a website and a magazine and such. They recently caught up with, you know, some of the wrestlers from WWE and mm-hmm. they asked them, you know, being that they're the reporters of all things metal, you know, mm-hmm. they were like, hey, what are some of your guys' favorite uh, heavy metal bands? Nice. Okay. So who'd they ask? Well, first they talked to Seth Rollins, you know, because he's like the new young guy, you know, like, oh man, he's yeah. probably going to like some of the And he's definitely sh- very metal. Oh, totally. Even his theme song. Yeah. You know, it just gets really heavy. Well, what he said, what he cited as his favorite metal bands were 
Parkway Drive, which is a metalcore band. Like, that's oh. like, it's different. You sure. Know? People will know what's up, you know. Then he likes Pantera, which I Classic. definitely think Pantera, sure. awesome stuff. Dimebag Daryl, rest in peace. You know, and then he likes also Metallica. Yeah. Same thing. Classic. But you kind of, like, you have to just say you like Metallica. <laughs> I you know. know? Like, yeah, it's almost written in the yeah. thing. It's one of those things, it's like, you don't really like Metallica, but you got to say you like Metallica. We don't like Metallica's money. Yeah. You know, you're like, how are these guys so fucking rich? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And you don't like that they're kind of dicky about it, too. You know, they're always suing shit. They're doing pretty good. Like I said, I, I don't hate Metallica, <laughs> but man, their money is just like, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you guess who's next? You know, they had to catch up with Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt. Now, yeah. see, it's funny because Bray Wyatt... I think on the show of the WWE, he has the least to do with heavy metal. But when you really think about it, you're like, that's totally the guy I think listens to heavy metal. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, man, with the tattoos. and just yeah. Kinda, yeah. So he also, you know, they, they weren't together when they were doing this, but he also said he's a big fan of Pantera. Are they normally together? Well, Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt. Well, like, no, but I'm saying they're like, like they, a couple oh. together. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they you know they were they were in the same room, but they yeah. weren't like right next to each other. So he could be like, I like them too. Yeah. But Bray Wyatt was like, I like Pantera, and dude, where cool. that guy comes from, you know, like in Texas and stuff, it's yeah. like, yeah, you can see him being a Pantera fan, yeah. But then another one they said was he likes Rage Against the Machine. Nice. Which, you know, yeah, they're great, dude. Oh hell yeah, dude. Have you ever seen how that guy plays guitar in that with like a bottleneck on his finger so dude, he can make all those weird sounds? Hell yeah, man. Tom Morello, man. Yeah, he's he like he is an artist. I mean, like they're yeah. all artists, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. But that guy's like savant level <laughs> artist because he makes music out of fucking dog shit, you know, like just stupid shit. You well, know? dude, yeah. He like, yeah, I mean, they, a lot of people when they first came out thought that they had a, a DJ in the band. Yeah. But really, it's just him doing all that. Yeah, like, exactly. Doing the effects, you know, it's really yeah, cool. Yeah. And, and I, I have to say, like, that's two guys in a row that both said they like Pantera. Yeah. And, like, I, I have to totally come clean here and be like, I'm like, oh, yeah, Pantera. I couldn't name you a single Pantera song, <laughs> but I met a stripper in Tampa named Pantera. Oh, so that's... <laughs> <laughs> Whenever people say it, I'm like, oh, yes, good memory. <laughs> Dude, that's... So you don't know no Cowboys from Hell or... I've probably well, heard it, but... Yeah. <laughs> Cemetery Gates. Yeah, it doesn't resonate. <laughs> well, well, we'll definitely have to listen to some Pantera sometime, man. But, yeah. You know, you know who they asked next was Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman. Now, see, Braun Strowman seems like a classic rock guy to me. You think so? Yeah, yeah, he doesn't seem like he's he's too into metal because he looks like the the everyman. Like he would be the dude at a construction site that's like, <laughs> let me swing a hammer and run some electrical wire. Well, he said that his favorite band was Tool. Hey, see, on a construction site, <laughs> need some tools. <laughs> but yeah, I thought this was really interesting. He says that he only listens to rap music when he does cardio. Nice. Now, there's two things about that. Like, looking at the guy, I mean, you know, don't judge a book by its cover, but I wouldn't immediately say that guy's a fan of rap music. Yeah. But at the same time, I couldn't imagine that guy doing cardio. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true i mean you think he just break the damn thing <laughs> well maybe that's the thing maybe he's running away from that sound <laughs> <laughs> but hey el bandito what why don't you read off what jinder mahal thought were his be his favorite <laughs> bands well you know everyone knows jinder mahal is the new indian sensation that's mm -hmm. tearing up the freaking wwe right now and of course he had to say he liked Metallica because you, you're just supposed it's to. go to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the- They're probably the, paying him every time he's- <laughs> It's the generic everyman answer. So when someone's, hey, what kind of metal do you like? Metallica? And uh, But he had the good sense to also chime in with uh, Nickelback. 
even the people on the show were like, what the fuck? Nickelback? <laughs> like, even the other guys that were, like, standing around were like, that's not a metal band. <laughs> it's Nickelback. I'm, dude, I'm pretty sure Jinder, like, followed that up immediately being like, have you ever heard music that comes out of India that's, like, heavy metal to us? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right, El Bandita. I mean, but hey, hey, everybody likes what they like. I mean, I don't no think doubt. Like, Nickelback gets a lot of flack and yeah, stuff. Yeah, hey, they, they have a couple songs I yeah, like. The sure. rock star song they do is fucking hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it may not be good music, sure. but the lyrics to it are freaking great. You know? And it does really adds up with like a pro wrestling lifestyle. I mean, they're yeah. practically rock stars. But you know it. You know, if you guys really liked what you heard here, go and check out Metal Injection's article about that. They have a video and stuff with actual, you know, like The Miz and some other people talking to. We just want to give you guys a little taste for the podunk news. You know it, man. And gosh, now, now see, I got Pantera stuck in my head. All I'm thinking about is a night full of whiskey and fat boobs. So what do you say we run with a little bit of Butch and the Fat Dubes with whiskey? Baby, baby. 
was Butch and the Fat Tubes with Whiskey. Absolutely. That was a great track right there. What did you think of that track? Oh, man. I, I, I really dug it, man. Like, we wanted to mention to you guys that, you know, we recently got some word from one of our very uh, avid listeners that they thought we should play a little more heavy metal and punk rock. So if you're kind of like listening tonight, you're like, hey, I'm kind of digging, you know, some of these new sounds. We decided to mix it up a little bit for you guys. So we hope you dig it. And make sure you let us know if you do by contacting us through... You can hit us up on our Gmail at powerhouroflove at gmail.com, or you can grab us on Instagram, Facebook, something like that, or our toll-free number we've got out there, the Love Line. That's 1-844-944-LOVE to L-O-V-E-5683. You can call us on that 24-7 and leave us a message anytime to let us know what kind of stuff you want to hear, what you dig about the show, what you don't dig, and if you catch us while we're live in studio, we'll put you right up on the air and you can talk to us about anything live. Oh, yeah, man. And just again, you know, if you guys dug what you heard, that was Butch and the Fat Dubes. They're uh, local uh, homies from here in Florida, you know, right out of, right out of Jupiter. Um, they just opened a new band camp page to promote their album, Fear and Propaganda. <laughs> and does that kind of make you think that that might also be a little name tribute to the to the propaganda and uh, <laughs> Lake Worf El Bandito? Maybe. It, it sounds a lot like probably just what's kind of going on in the world. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All That's true. alternative facts and stuff out there nowadays. This is true. This is true. You know, but either way tonight, there's only one set of facts in the Draft of Thrones. Death and death and movies, death and movies. Who will die next? Who will die next? Who will die next? Horns for nudity and the violence. And the violence with his schemes and stab his power. Who will rule the Iron Throne? Find out next week, find out next week. Never this week, always next week. I'm really sad, El Bandito. Oh, why's that? Cause, man, this is the last time we're gonna get to hear that <laughs> awesome track before you know, like you know, what what are they saying? Like what, what, 2020 or something? We're gonna get the next season of Game of Thrones. Oh man, they said it's gonna be a while, you know, but it's worth it. They shoot on location, so they need it to actually snow and shit like that. <laughs> so. You know, their VFX department, I'm sure, is working freaking super crazy overtime, but it takes time to make that show look as good as it does. So oh, yeah. however long it takes, I'm willing to wait. But for now, uh, season seven is a wrap. It is complete. Uh, the finale was amazing. And we're oh, going to yeah. we're gonna go over all the statistics and everything here tonight. So it should be pretty rocking, but make sure you realize there's definite spoilers ahead. So once you're caught up on the show, join us right here. Oh yeah, man. I mean, where do we where do we begin with this episode? <laughs> All right, so the episode started with like that big gathering, everybody who went to kind of this dragon arena, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're talking about this big dragon arena and all of the the armies there have all sent their leaders to kind of get together and talk about going to the north and fighting the Night King. 
Yes. You know, after Jon Snow and his band of merry men, who you had like all of them in the draft and made buco points with last week, managed to capture a white alive and bring it back down to King's Landing. Yep. So they're all here in King's Landing at the beginning, and they just started having a smorgasbord of uh, reunions. Oh, you yeah. know, and, and that was kind of the theme of the entire season, you know, which I know you liked reuniting. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but everybody was kind of getting together, and man, it was like. Braun, Tyrion together, Tyrion, Podrick together, yep. friggin' Brienne and the Hound oh, reunion. That was so cool. You know, yeah. it's just, you know, and then Cersei and Tyrion reunion, you know, the Hound, the Mountain reunion, Jon Snow and Cersei reunion. Just everybody was getting together everywhere after they hadn't seen each other for a long time. And it was no slouch and kind of cool witticisms and cuts between all of them, which do count towards points towards the drafty just yes. a little bit, but you had five or ten points here or there. The Hound obviously talking to the mountain telling him oh but you know who's coming for you you know that was kind of a mysterious yeah, line we yeah. don't really know who's coming for the mountain but it was oh, pretty yeah. cool uh cersei cutting down Jon snow with hey the dead will come to the north first so have fun dealing with them oh, that was, <laughs> yeah pretty, pretty cold <laughs> And that was definitely pretty fuckety. So, you know, some some pretty awesome fun stuff going on in, in the beginning of the show. Cersei really getting the shit scared out of her by that white that attacks her, man, was oh, pretty yeah. wild. Yep, yep. So what what do you think of the opening of the show? Oh man, I thought it was really cool. It was nice to see those characters, like I said, even some who haven't seen each other for a while. And just some of the it was it was very reminiscent to the episode before where you had a bunch of people together that didn't know each other, where this is like kind of recapping like to see how they're going to interact. I mean, you know, yeah. Tyrion stepped up to do his thing, and of course, immediately Euron, who's a character he's never, you know, really had any things with besides Euron messing up all of his plans. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so of course Tyrion like doesn't like that guy, but it was like it was cool because ultimately, like they were like, hey, you know, we're here to talk about something else, not about Theon and all this other yeah, bullshit. Yeah, you know, So, but then, like you said, the whole thing with the the hound leaving, I was kind of a little like, where's he going? <laughs> and I was like, oh, wait, he has to go get that box. That's right. Okay. So I was happy with that. And then when Cersei left, you know, the first time to walk away, it was yeah. kind of like, oh man. Jon Snow. Yeah, you know, it was an <laughs> oh man moment, but I have to say Cersei was playing ball a lot more than she normally does. Oh, yeah. I mean, Euron was like, this fucking terrifies me, and he walks off, you know, when he sees yeah. the white, and you're like, holy shit, like, this is really rattling King's Landing. Yeah. And even Cersei's like really considering what's going on until, of course, like you said, she tells Jon Snow, well, just, you know, say that you won't attack me and everything will be cool. Yeah. And Jon Snow fucks it all up by being like, yeah. oh, I don't want to <laughs> lie. So, you know, I already bent the knee to Daenerys and consider her my queen. And everybody, I mean, everybody <laughs> there, from Daenerys herself, Tyrion, everyone was like, Dude, you couldn't have just been like, yeah, sure. <laughs> you could have just lied to Cersei, like this fucking horrible bitch, and it, you couldn't just lie to her. It turned into an episode that everyone hates John. <laughs> I mean, they were all just giving him the stink guy and being like, oh, why did we bring a Stark? <laughs> so Tyrion makes the, the sacrifice to go in and talk to Cersei himself, which is pretty ballsy on his part. I'm really surprised the mountain didn't just carry him in there by his collar and be like, you want to talk to this shithead? I'm going to throw him out the window. <laughs> yeah. But in a scene where Cersei, Lena Henley, just looks gorgeous. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I always think she's a looker. I mean, you tell me all the time you don't think she's that great looking, but man, I always think she's cute as fuck. I got a thing for bad women, you know? But man, did 
did she look good? I don't know if it's the kind of quote unquote glow that she has from kind of being pregnant or, or just her <laughs> calm demeanor, whatever. But man, she was just stunning. Um, and she kind of really had a, just a great scene with Tyrion. The two of them kind of getting together, getting all that stuff out on the table about their family and everything like that. Oh, yeah. It was just awesome. And, uh, you know, Tyrion comes out by himself, and I remember joking with it. I'm like, boy, he's going to fall over with a knife in his back. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But no, Cersei follows him out and says, yeah, that she'll join them in the north and fight, and, and all the armies will go to the north and fight the Night King. So you're like, wow, I cannot believe that Cersei would, like, really play ball like that oh, and, yeah. and do the right smart thing for once. And, and we shouldn't have believed it. <laughs> yeah, we shouldn't have. Well, it was maybe about, what, about five minutes later, we learned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a short while later, she ends up telling Jamie that she's not honoring yeah. that deal whatsoever. And she wants him to take back their uh, holdings in the Riverland and stuff like that yeah. while they're off fighting in the North. Um, to which Jamie's like, man, to his credit, is like, no, dude, like yeah. we made an oath and shit. And Did just you see as, that thing? <laughs> yeah, he's like, this is way more important, you yeah. know. And he says he's going to go and help him, and and Cersei threatens to cut him down. Yeah, I know. That was kind of like, whoa, you know? I know. You were sitting behind me like, no way. No yeah. way. <laughs> I know. And she even called him the stupidest Lannister. Yeah. And then, man, when the mountain drew the sword, I really thought Jamie's number was up. Oh, yeah. And I have to say, they appropriately gave him credit uh, for his witty line, I don't believe you. Yeah. That he says while he just walks away, just hard like a fucking boss. Like he's like, man, if the mountain's going to kill me, he's going to need to stab me in the fucking back. Yeah. You know? Which um, he didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't. And and he, he, but he called Cersei's bluff. Yeah. You know? And it's about time someone did, you know? And, and, uh, and good for him that he went to join the fight in the north. Yeah. So that was really awesome. Meanwhile, up in Winterfell, I know you got the news on what happened up in Winterfell. <laughs> Well, definitely, yeah. You know, it started off with, you know, a little meeting of the minds between Sansa and Littlefinger, which definitely played into heavily of, like, Littlefinger saying to Sansa, oh, hey, you know, whenever I'm trying to, you know, figure out a situation, I, I assume the worst. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, go from there and pretty much try to break it down like that, which pretty much was leading, you know, the audience to believe that, uh, you know, Sansa was going to accuse uh Arya of all the things, which I mean, Arya hasn't committed treason, but I mean, she's definitely murdered people and sure. stuff like that. So she calls Arya to the uh, to the meeting hall, which then quickly turns the tables on Lord Baelish and they find out that she's actually <laughs> accusing him of all these things, such as treason and murder, which. Littlefinger absolutely has done <laughs> us as viewers. We know all the things that he's been a, a, a tribute to. Definitely. Um, he definitely has protected Sansa in the past, but at the same time has used her equally as he used Cat as a pawn. So, yeah, definitely. Ultimately, it came down to Littlefinger on his hands and knees pleading for his own life. Now, me, I'm a big fan of the Littlefinger character. Mm -hmm. Reading the books, he's the only character that doesn't have a point of view, which makes him very suspicious on what his motives always were. And to kind of see him deduced to just some swarmy little, like, pretty much what you assumed he always was, but to not, like, have, like, a real motive except he just wanted more power. You know, yeah. it's kind of like, oh, well, that's kind of a letdown. But who knows, like, at the same time, they're trying to get over with all this political stuff. You know, yeah. they're like, the main thing that matters is the war. Yeah. And as Cersei still is a threat, the political aspect is still <laughs> in play. But yes, ultimately, Arya cut down 
Lord Baelish in front of a whole audience, which I think was like the smartest thing they could have done. Yeah, but, smartest thing a Stark's done in a long time. <laughs> and having Bran there to pretty much certify all the things while him saying that when uh, uh, Littlefinger held Ned Stark at knife point, yep. it was like, I told you not to trust me. He threw that little finger, and you could just tell Littlefinger's eyes were like, Oh, shit. (laughs) I I did not realize what I was messing with here. Absolutely, man. Because, yeah, when that scene was going down and I was like, where's Sansa getting this info? It it, like didn't even occur to me. (laughs) Oh, shit. Like Bran fucking knows all this shit. And they finally caught up with all of his bullshit. And and I will admit, you've always told me throughout, you know, uh, all you read in the book. And and us watching the show together that you really kind of considered Baelish to be this kind of, you know, back burner Bond villain who's going to show up and really pull the wool over everyone because he has. He's orchestrated some amazing shit. He's pretty much the one who got this whole thing all. He's the reason this show really has kind of done what it's done. Absolutely. But he did. He got stuck in Winterfell here and kind of couldn't find a good game plan to get out or, or to get advantage. And he knew he had to prop up Sansa to do it. Yeah. You know, and he had to get rid of Arya when she showed up, and now John was gone, so it was only a matter of time before he could cozy up to Sansa, and the two of them could take Winterfell and the Vale, yeah. and now have some real serious power and dominion over the whole North and some of the Midlands there. But yeah, that all came screaming down thanks to Bran figuring out all the little fingers fucking bullshit and yeah it sucks to see him reduced to kind of a, a sniveling little shit but i have to say for all the horrid awful deaths that we get out of this show it seems like every two seasons they give us a good kill yeah. of a bad guy that yeah. makes you feel Justice. all warm and fuzzy yeah. inside which just makes you wonder who's going to be on the list uh next year or uh, uh next season <laughs> yeah pretty much anyone still alive is yeah. on the list for next season <laughs> to get killed so but ultimately we're here to talk about the draft it was an awesome episode there was plenty more to go on from there um but let's let's start talking points and the next scene is something that really contributed a lot of surprising points in the hands of theon oh yeah yeah talk about redemption yeah he ended up confronting harag and and i have to say we mock a lot the uh the lady who writes for the verge and she does her commentary where she's like the first 45 minutes of this episode was like the real housewives it was just people bitching at each other i'm like what a stupid ass shut up you don't know nothing and then she's here talking about theon's redemption and she's like Oh, of course Theon had the opportunity to redeem himself. He was bolstered by staring into the eyes of Jon Snow for 240 uninterrupted seconds. And I'm just like, oh my God, lady, get off that dude's dick, man. Oh, well, absolutely, man. You know, she's been doing this whole, I mean, pretty much Jon Snow. I'm surprised he wasn't the highest score for this. <laughs> Luckily, that's handled by The Verge and not by this lady. Well, no, it's handled by Fantasy. Oh, yeah. is it? Okay, yeah. okay. But so what's, what's funny is that... Uh, so ultimately, Theon does like step up to the plate, tell his men he wants to go and save his sister that Euron has yep. and everything there, and uh, has to throw down with Harag, you know, yeah. the kind of like backburner sort of character that we were, we were surprised was even in the draft. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but so Theon beats this dude within an inch of his life, earning yeah. himself 25 points, gains a purpose in his life, which they considered a promotion, granting him an extra 25 <laughs> points. And he has an epic like kind of remembrance scene with John about the past and about Ned Stark, um, giving them both a plus five bonus for uh, talking about the past, which is, you know, just... 
something they do. <laughs> Absolutely. I know we saw that in the coming soon trailers of like Theon kind of like falling into the water. And I know we were both kind of like, what the hell is that about? But of course that was after he had that epic fight with Harag and like, you know, mm-hmm. he was obviously exhausted, but he has regained the uh, following of at least those, what, like, what, 20 guys that are out there? Yeah, so, yeah. Hey, you know, they could definitely go in and cause some trouble. Hey, man, you know, out in the open seas, you know, it's, it's anybody's game, <laughs> you know? So the episode wraps up with Sam, you know, finally showing up down at uh, at Winterfell, or up in Winterfell, I guess I should mm-hmm. say, if it's in the north, and he meets up with Bran, and the two of them reveal what we've all been waiting for, the history and legend of Jon Snow. We find out that he's really Aegon Targaryen, uh, and that he is the rightful heir to the Iron Throne. Oh, yeah. And what a cool sequence seeing the actual, like, wedding of Lyanna and Rhaegar. So it kind of With sh- Bran in the background, which I thought was really cool. You know? Yes, <laughs> yes. But, th- you know, because I'm even so far in the story, you still didn't know if, you know, Rhaegar, like, you know, kidnapped her and raped her. You know, yeah. We knew they got married, but who, who's to say that guy didn't force her mm-hmm. to marry him? But the fact that it was a, a, a peaceful union, yeah. she obviously loved this guy. And the whole line where it's like, Robert's rebellion was a lot was started on a lie. Yeah. Like that. I mean, you, you want to talk about little little finger orchestrating stuff. I mean, the real some of the thing, not to say that Ares wasn't crazy already, mm-hmm. you know, because the Mad King was the Mad King, but yeah. you know, the whole thing with, you know, Robert's rebellion is what what kind of kickstarted all the things that happened in Game of Thrones. So Absolutely, man. Yeah, like a a bunch of crazy shenanigans came out of that sort of misunderstanding that yeah. those two ran off to get married together and then, you know, Robert's rebellion was him trying to go and save Liana and you know, here she was in love with this guy. Yeah. Like everything was fine, you know. So again, send a raven, bitch. What are you doing? <laughs> well, you know, I know we were joking about last night. Robert ultimately ended up in the friend zone yeah he decided to start a war over <laughs> yeah no doubt and, and and it's like i get that shit because like sometimes you get friend zoned and you see like the girl that you like run off with some dick bag and you're like i just want to murder a village <laughs> you know? oh and totally you know he thought he was doing the right thing and stuff but i mean like you know there's still definitely some shade to that whole story you know but it, it, it it's it's just nice to see it that we knew that she wasn't just a victim of like rape or something, you know, because yeah. I mean, that would have been kind of like, oh, that's kind of shitty. I mean, he's yeah, a bastard yeah. and he's still a bastard in that sense. But being that they were married, he's legitimized as, uh, you know, uh, yeah. the heir. Yeah. So pretty exciting stuff there. And just as the two lay down to bed together in a nice, warm, <laughs> romantic scene, you think to yourself, oh, man. You know, what a nice, warm, cozy feeling I have watching this perverted incest on my TV. <laughs> HBO. And then, bam, yep. we get to East Watch. Oh, my gosh. I remember we were seeing that <laughs> scene where you were like, I'm like, dude, where the hell is this? And you're like, that's East Watch. And yeah. Like, oh, you're right. It is I was East like, Watch. this is happening, bro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so guess who rolls in stoic as ever <laughs> on his brand new Ice Dragon where he looks just totally unimpressed with everything all the time, you know? <laughs> And melted the goddamn fucking wall, man. <laughs> that, that that was a scene right there. I mean, he just because nobody knew if it was gonna breathe fire, if it was gonna be right. ice. I mean, that's definitely some blue fire that's shooting, yeah. that, you know, melting that wall. But man, yeah, and then just that last scene of like pretty much the undead like crossing over. 
you know, probably for the first time in what two thousand or however many years that they said since they the wall's been around. You know. It's, oh, no it, doubt, man. So it 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 all gets pretty hairy there at the end. Tormund and Barrack look like they're crushed under the the remains of Eastwatch, but they're not shown dead. So who knows? Maybe with some luck, they'll end up in a snowdrift and come back and <laughs> you know manage to hide away and and survive and live to fight another day. But all I can say is the Night King rode in, earned himself a solid 110 points in the final volley for taking Eastwatch and for killing a number of red shirts oh, yeah. and w- ended up being the highest scorer of the night, ultimately the highest scorer of the entire draft. season. Yep. Yeah, yep. the whole draft. Yeah, yep. the whole thing. Yeah, for someone that didn't do much early on, these last two episodes <laughs> have really uh, really bumped him up. No but. doubt. I remember I got him pretty late in the draft, too. Yeah. You know, and I know I wanted to pick him. Like, as soon as I saw he was still available, I was like, holy shit, let me get this cat, because if if, if something goes down, yeah, he, he's going to be at the center of it. You well, know? it went down, that's for sure. <laughs> Dragon went down, wall went down, shit went down. But yeah, absolutely, man. Well, my highest score for this episode was Brand Stark. He got a whopping 80 points, and that's because, you know, he was doing his warging where he yeah. actually saw the wall come down, which is great because now he can inform everyone at Winterfell that that shit happened. Yeah. Um, but uh, also, you know, he had the vision. Like, he went back in time and, and looked at the Lyanna thing and, mm-hmm. and uh, her telling Ned, like, oh, hey, you know, he's Aegon Targaryen. You have to protect him, mm-hmm. you know, and... um it really makes you wonder. Remember when Ned was like, I'll tell you next time I see you who your yeah. mother was? It's like, holy shit, man. That was going to eventually like let him know what was happening. But. Yeah, but think of it this way. Ned was going to tell him after he joined the fucking Night's Watch. Yeah. yeah you know? So, so yeah. it's like when you think about that, you think about how smart Ned really was about telling this kid who he was. Because <laughs> he was true. like, oh, you always honor fucking oaths. And we know he's instilled that in Jon Snow. And then yes. he made him join the Night Watch. So yes. guess what? He was getting rid of the Targaryen line anyways. Absolutely. No, he definitely had a plan. But hey, let's see who who came in third place this episode. <laughs> well, that amazing 55 points earned by Theon managed to tie him up in third place with Jon Snow, who ended up with an extra 10 points over Daenerys, who came in just behind them for killing the White. Okay. You know, because otherwise Jon Snow and Daenerys got the same amount of points for nudity, yeah. sex with a blood relative, you know, and sure. talking about the past. I still think the Hound should have got a couple points for disassembling the white. Yeah, seriously. He should have got an incapacitated like, bonus so. for it, you know? Well, you know how it is. Absolutely, <laughs> man. Well, so that's the breakdown of last night's exciting episode. I know some of you guys who've been following the draft pretty close may have guessed who's won between the two of us. But just real quick... To, to kind of give you guys a good idea of, of, of how we've been going along, let's run through the highest scores of each episode so far. So episode one uh, was your first pick in the draft. Arya ended oh, yeah. up taking 115 point for killing uh, Frey. And all of his men. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It pretty much took, took down House Frey. No more House Frey. <laughs> yeah. No doubt, man. Well, episode two... Euron came in at the last minute on his ship, wrecked some ass, kidnapped one of the Sand Sisters and Yara, killed two of them. Yep. You know, just wrecked fucking shop and earned a whopping 115 points. Also one of your picks. Oh, yeah. Episode three, Jamie comes in with a whopping 130 points for taking out Lady Elena and conquering Highgarden. Also one of my picks. (laughs) It's not looking too good for me, man. All right, episode four, the amazing episode where 
the dragons finally come into play, burn down a bunch of shit. Oh, yeah. Most of Danny's points get taken away in a revision <laughs> because it didn't actually happen at High Garden, and she doesn't get points for kills on, on uh, the dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, so Braun ends up being the highest score of the episode with a total of 70 points. Oh, yeah. Uh, episode 5... Bran ties with the two Tarleys, you know, the father and son who got their exit bonus of 50 points. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bran gets 50 points for magic use. Gotcha. So you had the two Tarleys. I so did. That, I had both of them. Yeah. So finally, I'm high scoring, yes. but I'm tying with you on the high score. Yes. Episode six, the kind of Magnificent Seven going out there. I only had Jorah Mormont. Yeah. So you easily and took- John Snow. <laughs> oh, and John Snow. Yes, and John Snow. But you easily took the highest spot there with Barrick getting a whopping 250 points, the highest single total of any episode. Oh, yeah, and that was mostly for him doing flame on. Absolutely. His, uh, sword there. <laughs> no doubt. Episode 7, the highest score, the Night King. Oh, shit. Coming in, wrecking up Eastwatch and everything over there. Uh, one of my draft picks, so I'm excited. Look, that's the only time that I got the high score out of every episode this season. So you definitely had like the Yankee all-star draft pick oh, yeah. where you picked every single most valuable MVP fucking player. Yeah. But I hate to say it, Senor Boyle, I had the money ball freaking picks oh, yeah. where I may not have had the highest scores, but I had guys that consistently got points every single episode. And in the end, I edged you out by a margin of 65 points. I know. It's so close, man. I mean, that's almost as sharp as an edge of Valerian steel right there, man. It's, <laughs> it's so close. I mean, you know, we did this last year, you know, ultimately, like with Cersei blowing up the Sept of Baylor, there was no there was no cap on red shirts. So sure. literally she earned like 500 points, which I was winning that draft too yeah and the person that played that character like went past me and i was like how how did they how did they win and it was because yeah it's because of the cersei doing what she did so this year they, they rounded it out a little better smoothed it put a cap yeah. on on red shirts there was also some you know meaningful characters in the set but uh, absolutely and they added the exit bonus for people yes. that died so that was really nice you know but in the end yeah i had 1910 points you had 1,855 points. And what's really cool is, you know, we'd like to thank Fantasier, sure, who hosted this whole draft on their website, and they issue out these points and track it all. They have such a great website. They do fantasy football and all sorts of other shows. Mm-hmm. So go and check out their webpage. Um, they have a graph on there where we can watch our progression over the episodes, mm-hmm. and we're just bouncing back and forth, neck and neck, <laughs> every couple episodes. Because you'd, you'd like kind of hang back for a few episodes, and then you would jump up ahead because one of your guys fucking scored a ton of points. Oh, you know it, man. No, it, it was good. It was a lot of fun. It definitely brought a different dynamic to the show. Yeah. And uh, it's fun when you're even rooting for the bad guys to get something, <laughs> you know. But definitely, El Bandito, congratulations. I dub you the boil slayer. <laughs> well, it was a, it's a title I will proudly wear uh, into next season when we are going to host an open draft oh, um, yeah. right here on the Power Hour of Love where we will put out our email and information next season so that everyone can join our draft who'd like to join and you can compete. We'll make sure there's prizes and all sorts of fun shit. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, 
you know, we hope you guys enjoyed the Game of Thrones as much as we have this year. We hope you guys enjoyed the Draft of Thrones. And make sure to tune back in when Season eight's rolling around so that we can conclude this awesome, awesome series. Absolutely, man. I, I, you know, it's been a lot of fun. And, man, you know, I think the best way to send us off to our next musical break is to check out this track by White Noise, which they do a metal cover of Game of Thrones theme. And that was White Noise with the Game of Thrones Metal Edition. Oh, man, I'm telling you, I thought that was the best way to, you know, cap off that big uh, Game of Thrones segment we just had, El Bandito. Oh, absolutely, man. That That's an amazing track, too. I have to say, when you said it was like a metal cover, I thought it was going to just be like crazy harsh. <laughs> but you know what that really sounded like to me? That sounded like the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. It was just beautiful. Oh, yeah, definitely all the different instruments and stuff yeah. you hear there. If you guys... Beautiful but hard. Oh, you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah it, had, you know? it had that backbone. Definitely had some balls. Yeah. You know? <laughs> absolutely, man. If you guys like what you heard from White Noise, definitely check them out on YouTube. They actually make it a, a point to whenever there's a new Game of Thrones song, like that appears in the show or in the books, they try to do a metal rendition, such as like the Reigns of Castamere, which is like, nice. you know, the, the Lannister like banner song pretty mm-hmm. much. Well, it's funny that you mentioned dragons because, you know, of course we had dragons on Game of Thrones and uh, pretty soon, actually this upcoming weekend, we've got Dragon Con in Atlanta. Nice. You know, this is a little bit up in the north for us, you know, north of the wall <laughs> that separates Florida from Georgia. But, Georgia. Uh, <laughs> but absolutely, man, what's really cool is Dragon Con is celebrating its 30th anniversary. Nice. They're definitely not, uh, you know, shying away from getting some really wild performers to come and play at this event. They've got Frenchie and the Punk, which nice. they've played at uh, some Orlando Nerd Fest and stuff in the past. They've got. Adult Swim alumni MC Chris coming into the house. Nice, man. super cool guy. Yeah, yep. he's gonna talk about some Fets vets and uh, <laughs> you know white kids love hip hop. You know, uh, steam powered giraffe. 
Oh, yes, our favorite narcotic-induced band. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> our, yeah. our, I should say our favorite narcotic-induced viewing band. <laughs> yes. That was definitely one of those bands that when you just watched them, you were just like, whoa. <laughs> Psycho Stick. Nice. We've played them here on The Power yeah. Hour. They, they toured with Necrogoblicon and Urizen last mm-hmm. year. So, yeah, Psycho Stick's going to be there. And many more. You know, I'm sure they're going to have a great lineup. Lots of nerdy acts. Lots of cool musicians and stuff. So, yeah, man, why don't you tell us about some of the guests that are going to be there? Well, it looks like they've got some pretty amazing uh, celebrity guests who are going to be there to sign autographs and do the meet and greets and all that sort of stuff. Uh, starting it off, we got John Barrowman. Oh, you yeah. Know, coming from some Arrow fame and, of course, Doctor Who and Torchwood. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, Trace Bailu from Mystery Science Theater 3000 is going to be there. Classic. Classic uh, stuff. Alton Brown, the celebrity yes. chef. How awesome is that? Dude, I was really stoked when I saw it. I like, yeah. might have to take a trip up to Dragon Con. <laughs> Dude, he's actually- King of Cutthroat Kitchen. Dude, he's doing like a, a cooking like a ah. panel. Like where, I don't know if he's going to have people cook or something. I mean, it, it looked- it looked pretty cool. Sounds awesome, man. Well, Jim Butcher is also going to be there, the writer behind the Dresden Files series. Super big stuff right there. Oh, dude, totally. Like for fan, you know, for modern fantasy stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, people pretty much, yeah, they, they back this guy 100%. John Cusack's going to be there. I don't think we need to say anything <laughs> more about John Cusack. Oh, man, I'm excited about the next person you're going to say. Michael Dorn. Oh, man. <laughs> Commander Worf himself is going to be in the house. Woo, Ric Flair's coming. Hell yeah, hopefully, you know, I, I haven't really checked up on Ric Flair lately, but I know a few weeks back he was in the hospital. Hopefully he's uh, yeah. he's doing good, but he's still on the lineup, so he's coming to Dragon Con. Woo. Yeah, you know it, man. Well, Jill Gerard coming in from the old Buck Rogers, man. Man. That's... So that's pretty exciting. And, and Laurel K. Hamilton. Another famous writer there. She does oh, a, yeah. the Anita Blake series. It got turned into some comics from Marvel. Oh, dude, yeah. Um, another modern, you know. Yeah, horror kind of kind of take there. Very cool series. I've read a number of those books. Really mm-hmm. very interesting. Stan the Man Lee himself will be there. <sighs> He's doing like his farewell tour, you know. I mean, Stan's nice. getting up there. You yeah, know? So yeah. it's like. I don't know if he said that this is going to be his official last Dragon Con, but I know his last Megacon appearance, but he said that was his last Florida appearance. Wow. Well, definitely, if you're in the southeast region here, man, get up and see him here at Dragon Con. You won't get many more opportunities. But also, if you're a Marvel fan, you're going to love that Michael Rooker is going to be there. Coming off of Guardians of the Galaxy, Mary Poppins himself, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. That was so awesome. Also from his Walking Dead fame, of course, Merle. Merle. Merle Going to be there. Yep. Uh, William Shatner. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah, Enough said. William Shatner, man, is going to be there. Do the Uh, Shatner with him. (laughs) Uh, Timothy Zahn, also going to be there. Star Star Wars. uh, I mean, pretty much probably the most famous Star Wars author when it comes to the expanded universe. I don't want to hear about novelizations. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, you know, Mara Jade, you know. Yeah. Zahn, you know, that's pretty much, you know, a lot of that goes right into his. uh, catalog so definitely yeah. definitely man big big ups to jade out there so. <laughs> all of you know aside from guests what i really like about dragon con there's plenty of stuff to do they're gonna have their dragon con cosplay parade the dragon con burlesque Ooh. Well, we know we always like those the good eats the panel nice. that's, that's out, out in brown man there you go 
they're uh, they always do a masquerade ball, and this year they're gonna have it themed with the labyrinth. Ooh, you know? very yeah. cool throwback. Yep, and they're gonna have live professional wrestling. <laughs> nice. Now, El Bandito, you've been to a couple workshops at MegaCon, so why don't you talk about some of these ones that they're gonna do here at DragonCon? Oh yeah, definitely, man. They've got some exciting workshops out there. Uh, they're gonna do FX and makeup. Oh man, some movie stuff. Yeah. They're gonna do some voice acting training. Oh, maybe we should go to that. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna have writers hourly. Oh, yeah. uh, they're gonna have practice self defense and tai chi. There you go, man. So, you, you learn to protect yourself. Now we've been to cons before. Sometimes people can get a little unruly. So knowing a little bit of self defense. I mean, look what happened to uh, Kate Beckinsale. Kate Beckinsale. Yeah. You know, they, they maybe they should have been teaching some uh, self defense up there, right? <laughs> well, hey, I'm just saying they got a good lineup. See, you go. And you take the FX and makeup thing, right? Uh-huh. Then you go to the, you put on some makeup like you got hurt. Yeah. Then you go to the practice self defense thing and fake an accident. Use your voice acting talent to throw your voice and distract everybody. Then write a story about it so you get all sorts of internet fame and you just made a bunch of money and win your lawsuit. There you go, man. See, <laughs> Al Bandito has the master plan. Maybe, you know it, and you know where you get those kind of plans from? What's that? It's from the wild world of gaming, man. Oh, yeah. With all sorts of experience in board games, tabletop, LARPing, and the exciting, extravagant stories in video games. I have learned and honed my craft, and if you're interested in doing the same, come on down to Dragon Con. Well, they will have board games, tabletop games, LARPing, and video games. Hell yeah, man. Like That's like the full package right there. You got a bunch of great guests a bunch of cool stuff to do, performers, workshops, gaming. I mean, this this Dragon Con is one not to be missed. Absolutely, man. So that's going to about wrap it up for what's going on at Dragon Con, and that's going to about wrap it up for us. You know it, man. Once again, congratulations to El Bandito on taking the title for uh, you know the Draft of Thrones. And, man, like we said earlier in the episode, be sure to check in with us next week when we deep dive into Netflix's The Defenders. Yeah. I don't understand. Things were going so great, but what happened? Something must have happened. It's not you. It's me. Uh, listen. I was thinking we should break up or whatever. Breaking up with you. Ah!